Hi, and welcome to Picard Cast. This week, I'm your host, Brooke, and as always, I am graced by the presence of Rebecca. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Good, good. Um, we actually not we don't have just a guest. We have a special guest. I mean, not like that kind of special guest, but a special guest, as in Rebecca's sister. Her name Yay. is Janine. How are you doing, Janine? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how did you get into Star Trek? I assume it's similar to Rebecca, but it might not be just because you lived um, in the same house. Yeah, actually, it's the complete opposite. Oh. No. <laughs> no, yeah, like our, our dad is super into Trek. He had he did one of those like mail order things, I think, from like Time Magazine where he got the original series on these big bulky VHS that were like two episodes per tape and they were like his prize collection. And, you know, we all had our favorite episodes, but like we grew up just watching that all the time. And when the first, when one of the first Star Trek movies came into theaters, my dad basically just threw a couple of t-shirts at us and said, we're going to go see Star Wars, Star Trek tonight. So, so <laughs> it's always been a big part of our life. Did your other two sisters did they get into any of that? Did you all watch it as a family? Was it like just like the three of you guys or uh, what kind of, um, I hadn't really I, asked what kind of dynamic you had. Cause you know, you have a, I mean, it's just me and like my stepbrother. So I have a smaller family, but you have, you know, six in your family and I didn't know who all, well, I guess seven cause your dog, but that he was later. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I think, um, like, especially when Star Trek The Next Generation premiered, like, I think when the when the premiere episode dropped, like, all six of us sat down as a family and watched it. Um, my two younger sisters are not as into Star Trek. They mm -hmm. are more um, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, um, Supernatural, still mm -hmm. very geek-centric, but okay. I don't think Star Trek was ever really their thing. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That could make sense. So, why we are covering Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2. This episode, we're doing 1. Uh, why did you pick this set of episodes? Um, 1 <gasps> is the Borg are probably my favorite Star Trek villains. Mm -hmm. And 2, you get to see Picard shirtless. <laughs> and I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Listen... Sometimes his outfits are also good, too. Oh, yes. No, look, I'm also a fan of, like, that sort of, like, very relaxed number that he wears yeah. that's very open at the chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or his pajamas that look like that with the shorts. Yes. Or. All or, hail the shorts. <laughs> yes. And he had the one where he had the riding outfit, and it was, like, a sweater and, like, the hat. But the pants Damn. were yes. fantastic. I'm like, <laughs> oh, Patrick Stewart, I did not realize your your behind was so nice. Like The very right. first episode, it was, oh, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, there's probably going to be a lot more of this, of course. Uh <laughs> yeah, my notes are full of little hearts <laughs> for Picard. <laughs> Perfect. They're Picard's. No. Picard's. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Picard. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this uh, this was the season finale of episode, episode of season three. So it was episode 26. Um, it aired first June 18th, 1990. So, when I was eight, 
I guess. So I guess, Janine, you were still eight then, right? When's your birthday? I don't even know when your birthday is. Sorry. Never mind. Nobody else needs to know that. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think I was... Hold on. If this is 1990, then I'm nine. I was nine. Actually, I was still eight. I wasn't quite nine. Yeah, yeah. Because you're just like... You're like... I was trying to remember what month your birthday was in. (laughs) Actually, it just passed. It's in October. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so it was June, so technically I was still seven, but then you and I are the same age for, you know, three months, so then... (laughs) So that's fine. Uh, Let's see. It was directed by Cliff Bowl, and it was written by Micah Pillar, and this was the fourth one that he did this season, and he's also been, like, an executive producer and stuff, so... If you haven't really looked into any of, like, people who write Trek or are involved in it, there are people who are involved, like, the whole time. But a cool thing about this episode is that, like, Michael Piller considers it to be, like, a Riker-centric episode, which, you know, because he takes command and does everything. And he related to the character because he was trying to decide if he wanted to leave or not. He wanted to move on to bigger, better things. But come on, it's Star Trek. How can you... It's pretty big and better than a lot of things. But Gene Roddenberry and Rick Berman convinced him to stay. So it was kind of like they were his his conscience or whatever convinced Riker to stay. Because it wasn't specifically Picard or anything that convinced him to stay. It was just he decided to stay. But anyway, I thought that was interesting that he wrote this episode because he sort of was having those feelings. That's really cool, interesting. Cool little backstory, yeah. I uh, like that. That that that's a really cool fact about this episode because you really do feel that, right? Like you feel that Riker is struggling with if he should stay or go, and um, it's definitely reflected in both halves yeah. of of this story. Yeah, because at at this point, in you know, in this episode, he still he just sort of gets Captain thrust upon him, and he may. St- think then that he's definitely going to take it but we don't know until the second episode what happens (laughs) but that'll be next time (laughs) Uh, a thing i thought was cool this first episode of these two won emmy awards for outstanding art direction for a series and outstanding sound editing for a series so i thought that was neat Um, cool that's very cool yeah i have so many notes everybody that (laughs) that i have some at the beginning and the end and then things in the middle a thing that I found interesting that I didn't really know about is that Pillar sort of moved the direction of the stories from, like, an alien of the week, kind of like how some of these superhero shows are now, you know, to more, like, character-based stories, which is the thing that I really enjoy about Star Trek. Those are, like, my most favorite ep- episodes. It's, like, where it's based on the characters, but then there's sci-fi stuff happening around them. Yeah, I think that's why season four and on are generally, I think most fans agree that they are the best seasons. I would say that I think personally for me, season five is the strongest season mm-hmm. of all of them. But um, it definitely is all about character rather than, mm-hmm. um, you know, villain of the week or freak of the week. As, right. as you mentioned, they do yeah. it a lot like in the Flash and Arrow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I think that's a thing that really those kind of episodes when they had maybe one or two or whatever here before that, those those kind of things are ones that really, I feel like, resonate more with, like, the general public, which can make this more popular because not everybody necessarily wants to go in. You know, like, my mom's like, I don't just want to watch some fighting aliens. It's like, no, no, this is a show about people, and then there just happens to be aliens they have to fight. 
Mm, yeah. It was character development. <laughs> <laughs> and during, I thought this was cool because sometimes you find out that maybe they don't work together in so, on some shows. You know, you don't, you don't necessarily see writers working together where something happens in one episode and then the next episode it's kind of thrown out the window and nobody remembers what just happened. Or on one of my other podcasts, I read Doctor Who books and uh, those writers didn't seem to talk to each other much because some of the characterizations are completely different. But that's... Yeah, that's for another. That's for another thing. Uh, but <laughs> Pillar worked with uh, Ronald D. Moore, who wrote Family, which is this episode. Then we'll have the next episode, which is part two, and then Family will be after that. So keep your ears open for when we get to that, because they considered that one like the third of the trilogy, like that they were all three together, even though they're you know there's no actual Borg in Family, but it's sort of the aftermath, and there wasn't really a plan to have that you know how Picard was affected but they decided that they were going to do that and Gene Roddenberry and Rick Berman were were kind of like uh okay but it has to have some sort of sci-fi story and instead they were like sorry guys <laughs> and just had family stories in it which like I said we will be talking about that one soon in a couple weeks uh, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of great that they were like yeah yeah sure oh never mind we're, we didn't do that <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean they put three stories in there and they really didn't need three stories in that one but that's fine <laughs> I don't know what got into me I just started researching all kinds of things for this one <laughs> but I thought this was cool the score was composed and conducted by Ron Jones, and it was released as an album in 1991, which I thought was cool. Uh, you know, it had pretty good music and everything. <laughs> For their cliffhanger, uh, you know, it has this very, like, dramatic music and, and stuff. And Seth MacFarlane wanted to use that in a cliffhanger on Family Guy, but they couldn't work it out with Paramount. So Ron Jones went and wrote something similar for their cliffhanger to this <laughs> I, I, and I thought that I was honestly cool. almost I honestly always thought it was the exact same music yeah because it's so mm-hmm. similar I, I thought it was the same yep he That's changed wild. it enough that they could use it without like <laughs> that's pretty awesome doing anything with Paramount so I thought that was cool also they re-released the album in 2013 and it had an, it was an extended edition, and it had some previously unreleased material that Jones had written and stuff. So I thought that was really cool, too. I was like, oh, all right. Maybe I could pick up some albums. <laughs> 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 so after all of that, let's get to the story. As I said, we're doing Best Both Worlds Part 1. Responding to a distress call on one of the Federation's outermost colonies, the Enterprise arrives, only to find a big hole in the ground where the town used to be, and discovers the Borg are behind the attack. So that synopsis basically tells you everything. (laughs) (laughs) But it's much, much more to this episode. (laughs) As many, many episodes do, uh, we have our obligatory shot of the Enterprise in space, you know. uh, We hear the voiceover, Picard, Stardate 43989.1, and... For all you out there, that is Tuesday, May 31st, 2366, and it's 2144, which, what, 944, is that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm having to math, um, like small math. I can, <laughs> I can, if it were differential equations, this would be a different story. The Jorit 4, is that an idea? I think they say it's Jorit 4. yes, yes. I think it's the French, French pronunciation. Jorit, Jorit. 
Cat. Eat baguettes and drink red Jure... wine. Oh, j'aurais bon. J'aurais cat. Eat the bug. On s'en plus le bug. Oh, oh oui, oui. Must get away from the bug. <laughs> Mon dieu. Where's my croissant? I need to throw it at the bug. <laughs> So, the, the distress signal comes from Jure for, a, and that's one of the outermost colonies. We have Riker, Worf, Data, and Geordi who beam down to see what's going on at Providence Colony. Uh, and there's nothing but a huge crater. Where, where are we? Like, Riker's, Riker's asking O'Brien, you know, who beamed them down, and he's he's supposed to be an expert at this he's like uh, are you sure you beamed us in the right place and o'brien's like that's right dead center in the middle of town you guys oh and... can i just say like as yes. much as i love the star trek mm-hmm. universe mm-hmm. i would never want to be in one of the outermost colonies right. of the federation they literally drop you off and just go later days yeah. five million light years away <laughs> right <Later>. <laughs> they're like here's a replicator Here's some period-specific clothes. <laughs> Deuces. Like, <laughs> everything happens to them. <laughs> uh, except for there was that, I know there was that one colony that they picked up and they didn't have a, they didn't have a replicator. They were like uh, Scottish or Irish or something. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> you remember them? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then there was the other colony that had gone when they did and they were clones or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Spoilers for some of their episodes that I can't remember the name of. So spoilers for a thirty-year-old TV show. <laughs> well, you know, there's someone who hasn't seen it. Anyway, I think I would be rather distressed if I, uh, you know, showed up somewhere that I was supposed to be and there was nothing but a gigantic crater in the. It's like all of a sudden, how am I at the Grand Canyon? I was supposed to be in Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, it's like what? So we see another shot. So they're really, they're really going for it. They're doing another shot with another, like, Captain's Log Stardate. It's 43992.6. So it's Thursday, June 2nd, 2366. 709 in the morning. So, and I love that this thing that we use also has the seconds. So it's 709 and 25 seconds, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. So it's been a couple days since they went down there and there was just the crater. We have Admiral Hansen and Lieutenant Commander Shelby of Starfleet Tactical mm. who have showed up and uh, they're going to investigate the disappearance of the new Providence colony. We find out there were 900 colonists and there are no signs at all of them. And I made a note that George Murdoch, who plays Admiral Hansen, he previously appeared in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, as God. Oh. Oh, I didn't realize that was the same actor. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was like, all right. So then... Oh, so correct me oh, if yes. I'm wrong, but Lieutenant Commander Shelby, she's appeared in a couple of episodes, right? Like, this isn't her only appearance? No, this is her only yeah. appearance. Really? This I... is her only appearance. You know, honestly, she, she strikes such a memorable character that when they said that, like, this character was boarding, I was like, oh, this one's here. And it's like, she's she's just so, she's actually, she plays this so memorable. I mm-hmm. honestly thought that she was, like, a recurring character. 
what's funny is she said the hardest part was learning all that jargon because she didn't understand what any of it meant. Whereas when you're acting, you usually can understand, you know, what the context is and you know what it means. So she was like saying that it was like she had to learn it in a foreign language she didn't know. So sorry, yeah. Rebecca, she didn't like the techno babble. Oh, well, that's right. I like it enough for both of <laughs> I us. I mean, she, yeah, you do. You do. She, I mean, she, <laughs> I think she handled it very well. And I didn't know that until I was reading all this stuff that she was not sure with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. We're in the ready room. Riker, Picard, Hanson, and then in my notes I wrote Mbop because <laughs> because it's Hanson. Uh, <laughs> he's there. And, he's one of those guys. Great, 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 great grandson. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Shelby are all talking about who or what just might have destroyed the colony. Hanson and Shelby think it's probably the Borg. Even though they're not 100% certain, but Riker had made his report from go- beaming down to the surface, and he also thought it was the Borg because it was familiar. Trenches they saw were familiar from before when they had seen the Borg. We find out Shelby took over tactical analysis only six months prior to this star date. What? 43992.6. <laughs> Apparently, she gets things done. Like, she is on it. She is climbing up that ladder, and she doesn't care whose hands she's stepping on to get there. So, (laughs) you know, they were kind of unsure, I think, about if it was the board because it was so far away from where they last encountered them. And I wrote 7,000 light years, but I felt like it was more than that. (laughs) Does that sound right? I think it is 7,000. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, 7,000 light years is pretty... I honestly far. can't remember how far a light year is, so... A light year is... Oh, yeah. Um, I used to know it. Keep talking. I'm going to Google a it A light year is very, very far. It is, because it's how far <laughs> light travels in a year, and it travels a really lot. fast. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I can't remember the speed. what the speed of light is at the moment, so that's fine. Picard thinks... Do they have some sort of superior technology? If it is the Borg and he's just, they're kind of worried about it. And Shelby says she wants to go to the colony because she wants to double, you know, she wants to make sure that she's right, that it's the Borg, you know, take some tests. And Riker's like, you got to wait until the morning. It's about to get dark there. We're, we're going to go. We'll be there at 500 hours or whatever time he says. I can't remember what time he says they're going. I think he said 0500. Yeah. Okay. I thought I remembered that right, but I wasn't sure. (laughs) (laughs) And they go to leave because Picard's like, Riker, take her to her quarters or whatever. And, you know, as he's leaving, uh, he tells Hanson that they've got their poker game and there's always a seat for him. And, well, Hanson declines. But he makes sure to mention that Shelby might have played a game or two, so... So far, Riker is not, not necessarily that he's not impressed with her, but you can tell that he's kind of, like, not sure about her. But not sure, not not sure, like, in the way of, like, thinking that she might do something bad, but just kind of, like, you can tell there's going to be some friction or something. Right, but, like, at the same time, this is, like, the first example of, I think, one of the biggest hypocritical storylines in this episode, Mm -hmm. and... excuse me, he invites the Admiral to join their poker game in front of Shelby. Yeah. Like, so first of all, that's kind of rude. And so if you didn't want her to know about it, like, don't 
mention it in front of her. Yeah. That's number one. And then going forward, and, and I know that we'll talk about this more, there's a lot of focus on this in this particular episode about how ambitious Shelby is. And how that's a bad thing. Well, yeah, how, how to Riker he is acting like it's a bad thing, even though he was the exact same way. It's like... Yeah, so the show is telling you, telling us, the viewers, that ambition in Riker is okay and good, but ambition in Shelby is bad. I think a lot of that... And don't get me wrong, we're going to talk about all the stuff that she does that's wrong. Like, she does do things that are outside of, like the protocol that you should do but at the same time they keep mentioning how ambitious she is as a negative quality and so i think this is a case of the show telling you you shouldn't like her because she's ambitious i think that that speaks to an ongoing problem in a lot of things but in truck as we're talking about of how they write women characters it's okay for Riker to be you know as ambitious as he wants but when shelby's ambitious Oh boy, howdy, that's a problem. Well, I didn't necessarily see it going that far because to, I feel like to Admiral Hansen, like, it is a good thing that she's ambitious. He's glad that somebody wants to move up and take all their jobs once they've retired. Like, he's totally cool with that, you know, because he feels like it's going to be in good hands because not only is she ambitious, but she's good. It's right, Riker but... is the one that's like, but I feel like it's it's not necessarily because she's a woman, even though I know people do see it that way. It's to Riker, it's because he, you know, like when you don't get along with people who are like you sometimes because they, you see all the annoying things in them that you do and then it rubs you the wrong way. Like that's how I took it. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. I'm I'm also speaking from a place of, having been in this fandom long enough that there are a lot of people who will list Shelby as like one of the worst characters. Yeah. And okay. and I think that that's a shame because her hairdo is one of the worst. No, her hairdo yes, is, 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 is atrocious. She's, she's <laughs> she should great. get a new hairdresser. But like um, the other thing is to your point about the Admiral, Admiral Hansen mm -hmm. praising her. He does it in the same breath as basically objectifying her because oh, he right, says yeah. he says um Picard says to him it seems like you really admire her and he's like just an old man's fancy yeah. and I was like he did gross yeah that's so casual sexism hashtag me too right there <laughs> yeah this is exactly this is times up me too oh, yeah. stuff happening so it's like yeah he admires her but it's more based on how he looks at her sexually so I feel like this was a missed opportunity to do more with this character yeah. because this is the literally the only two episodes we see Commander Shelby, mm -hmm. like in the entire franchise. And she's such a good character. She's such a great female character. I would have loved to see more of her. Mm -hmm. I would have loved for her to do more in the, in the show. And then we never see her again. It's very frustrating. Well, yeah, because I feel like with her, it's like how I feel about Dr. Pulaski, how she was first written as a person, not like, oh, this is a woman. She's just going to be a mother or a mother figure or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. sort of the sort of tropes that Troy and Beverly kind of get pushed into sometimes, you know, but she was only here for these two episodes. It's like. 
I want to see her like I want to see and see her being a smart like a Riker all the time <laughs> because he deserves it a lot. <laughs> you know, like oh yeah. Anyway, so there you go, and you know, like I said, he didn't invite her. I, I guess you could say he didn't invite Picard either, but that's there's supposed to be a standing invitation to Picard. You know, <laughs> you know, I guess inviting Shelby wouldn't help him you know, captain job or whatever that we're about to find out that Picard doesn't know about. You know, Admiral, the Admiral's like, oh, you know, she'd make a, she'd make you a one hell of a first officer. And Picard's like, I have a hell of a first officer. (laughs) And (laughs) this is when he finds out that Riker's been offered uh, the captain position on the Melbourne. And he's just like, oh, okay. Well, hmm. Hansen describes Shelby as impressive, you know, and also old man's fancy or whatever. <laughs> I know. It's so gross. <laughs> but And this is all stuff I never picked up on when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I remember watching this as a kid. This came out in 1990. I would have been 12, about 13. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, ugh, Shelby's terrible. Like oh, yeah. a terrible character. And then rewatching this series as an adult, um, and I've watched this episode, both these episodes many times mm-hmm. before tonight. Um, I just remember thinking, like, man, I really missed like the the show was telling me to feel a certain way about Shelby. And it, it worked because as a kid I did feel that way. But as an adult with different eyes, I, I look at her character very differently. Well, and even if as when you were a kid, if the show wasn't pushing it that far for you to hate her. Culture, it was like that at that time. Yes. Anyway, so that would have made it more, you know, seem more like, oh, well, we don't have, women don't talk like that to people. Women don't, they just let things happen. They they take care of people. They, they don't put their career ahead of their life or whatever. <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. like the whole, like, because that was... Because what, 1990, that was, get you know, right out of that yuppie 80s stage where it was like some people were mad because women were like, go, more women were going back into the workplace or and trying to have ambition. And then other people were excited about it and were wanting them to do this, you know, so it was still kind of a rough time in our culture as if it's not now. But, you know, we don't want to get into that right now. <laughs> no, but it's true. But she was so unlike the other women who were on this show. Cause if you even think about Dr. Crusher, it's like, didn't she leave Starfleet when she had Wesley and she really only rejoined like after her husband passed away. And then Deanna Troy, she's like a non officer serving aboard the ship. And she doesn't even seem to try to be an officer until much later. Right. Or like one of the captains, like basically makes her wear a uniform at that point, but she's still like, not like she went through, um, she went through Starfleet Academy, but she's basically like a non-serving officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of the, and neither of them seem to show much ambition. And so I think to see this woman come into the show and show such ambition that's so brazen, really, is to just basically tell Riker flat out, I want your job. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't see it. You really don't. Well, like with Beverly, mm-hmm. like she – we don't even find out till later, really, that she – has gone through i i never noticed it before i mean i think maybe she'd been on the bridge before like before troy went through all of the 
the testing so that she could, you know, be a bridge commander or whatever. And I, I think maybe you see her, because I've watched so much all together in a row. I'm sorry, you guys, it's all blurring together. But, like, I didn't even, like, realize that, oh, that was something, like, a course, basically, they had to take. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I just thought, well, she's got a bunch of gold things on her collar. She can be on the bridge. You know, (laughs) she can, she can be in command, you know, she's, she can be their designated survivor or whatever. (laughs) Designated survivor. She had some good stories, but most of the time it was not like this. Like, she's just tagging along sometimes. And it's because most of the women are defined and and it's not just Star Trek. This is true of Mm -hmm. all the TV and the media that we were getting around this time. Women were being defined by the men in their lives, mm-hmm. right? So Beverly Crusher is not so much she's defined by that she's Jack Crusher's wife. She's Wesley's yeah, she's Wesley mother. Mom, yeah. You know, but... she's Picard's old like sort of flame. And then even with Deanna Troy, she's Riker's ex. Mm-hmm. Like when we meet these women, they are defined by other men who they are. Mm-hmm. The only one that isn't is Dr. Pulaski. Mm-hmm. She doesn't come on board. And even then, we do get a throwaway line how she used to, how she yeah. was an old flame of Riker's father. Oh, yeah. So, oh, I mean. Oh, yeah. Like, that is like, it's like he is defined by her sort of in that moment. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. By the way, so, Kyle, I love that his name is Kyle. Yeah, <laughs> Kyle Riker. Yeah. That's probably like a real, like, you know, yeah. like Kyle's probably a, <laughs> an old man name, you know, by then, like nice. nobody, everybody was using that one. And But I mean, like, that's what we were getting in the early 90s, all through mm-hmm. the 90s, really, in, in movies and media, was that women were defined by the men around them. And well, so... There, there's no difference here and the, so when we get a character like shelby who is literally not defined by any man around her um society at the time is like oh that's bad she's way too ambitious and the thing is that if shelby had been a man who had come on board and, and been like i'm gunning for your job Riker, you know we would have been like oh he's so handsome and so sexy and so strong and like, so oh he's kind of a jerk but you know i love a bad boy i kind of like him. exactly oh. so but, that would have been that would have been a different reaction but because it's a woman it's looked on negatively i wanted to add what you were saying not only are women just like defined by the men but they're also caregivers whether it's to men or not so you know you have Dr. Crusher, who is an actual doctor caring for people, and then you have Deanna Troy, who is a counselor, and she's caring for, like, their mental health. Right. When we had the head of security was a woman, and then they just wasted it, they could have... I go back to this all the time. They could have written Tasha Yar so much better. And, you know, given her more to do than just say open hailing frequencies or whatever. And it makes me even matter that she was, they were talking about how she was going to be in like this martial arts thing when she dies. She dies before she can go. And I'm like, see, that would have been cool because everybody was hoping that she would win and people were betting on her to win. And it's like, because she's supposed to be badass, but why didn't we really get to see that? Oh, and I'm knocking things over. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to calm down about Tasha Yar. I'm sorry. She... That's okay. <laughs> I get riled up about it when there's, you know, when there's... Hashtag justice for Tasha. Right? <laughs> oh, justice for the female regulars on this show. That's yeah, exactly. Yes. 
Justice for female vaginas. Anyway. So, yeah. The Admiral wants Riker to take this job. You know, he tells Picard, kick his butt, you know, all that kind of thing. So, then we see Riker and Shelby entering Shelby's quarters. She tells Riker she isn't quite sure what she's looking for. And I wasn't thinking about, like, to figure out if it's the Borg or not. I was like, is there something in her room she's looking for? (laughs) (laughs) Because the first time I watched this was the first time I'd seen it in a long time. And so it just threw me for a loop. And then I started laughing. And I'm like, I know what she meant. Uh, You know, there's parts of the hole that were damaged. And they had this unusual magnetic resonance traces. So that's kind of a, that's kind of like a half techno babble. Those words seem like they mean something. (laughs) Um, right. And so Riker calls it a Borg footprint. And <laughs> just makes me think, like, you like you look at it and it looks like a real footprint. <laughs> it's on the side of the ship. And Shelby is like, well, I'm going to assign Jordy and Data to this away team. Which, I mean, she's looked over the roster and she knows who's who and who's what. And she she's so on top of this because she knows who to pick. Like, the, this is who... Riker picked. She doesn't know that that's who goes on just about every away thing. But, you know, she 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 did her own critical thinking. She did her own like studying of people and was like, this is who I want. <laughs> but Riker's like, oh, yeah, they, I've already assigned them and I'm going to go too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, then too, like we, we think back to that scene in the ready room where Admiral Hansen said that she was in charge of a task force. Yeah. Um. So she's, she's been. She's a tactical commander. Yes, she's been running a task force to and... come up with weapons to defeat the board. She's used to being a leader and getting things done. Right. So when she comes in here and she's like, "Oh, I looked over the roster. Here's who I've picked," and Riker gets an attitude, like, "I, I get it. You felt like she stepped on your toes." Yeah. But then why not just? Talk about it openly and honestly and say, okay, I appreciate your input. I know you're used to running a task force, but, you know, here on the Enterprise, I generally pick the away teams. So why don't we work on this together? No, instead, they're both trying to be the dominant, like, alpha here. Yes, like, he is, it's annoying that he's doing this, but I like it because he's actually sort of written to be sort of like he's threatened by her, you know? Because, you know, later he's, Oh, I used to be like that, but I'm not like that anymore. And I'm just, you know, wah, wah, wah. Um, As right with his existential crisis. (laughs) Right, right, right. He is threatened by her. You know, like, I don't usually, you know, because I've lived through all of this, so I don't usually toot my own horn about things. But I had somebody who was very threatened by my existence at my job. And he, but he was like, he was really super threatened by me because I'm like, oh, I can do this and I can do that. He goes, oh, I thought it was going to take you a year to learn how to do all that stuff and I'm like it was two months what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) anyway he could have said well I already picked the teams and you've got a good eye those are the two people that I picked to be on the team besides myself you know I was gonna go too like he could have been nicer about it but no he's like "Ah, this is my ship I do things around here but you know they're already I already picked them whatever anyway so so then you know Shelby she takes it she takes you know, she's fine, and she's just like, okay, it's cool if you're going to be there. I'll take any help I can get, you know. So instead of, like, being snarky to him or something or trying to, like, 
you know, alpha him, she's just like, you know what? I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm going to be like, yeah, I can use your help because we got to get this done, you know? And then she's like asking him what, how he thinks of being on the enterprise. Is it as great as it seems? And, you know, he's like, oh yeah, of course. And she was just like, because, you know, I want to convince Captain Picard that I'm right for the job. And Riker's like, what job? It's like, come on. Like, uh, your, your job, job yeah. buddy. He's like, uh, yours? <laughs> She's like, I want that third filled-in circle on my collar. <laughs> Thank you very much. I am tired of having one empty circle with these two full circles. <laughs> <laughs> but like... You know, she's like, I heard you were leaving. And, like, he acts like just because he hasn't told anybody that no one's going to know. Right. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people talk about it because, I mean, the Enterprise is the flagship. Well, it's, it's the flagship ship in the whole mm-hmm. Federation fleet. So, I mean, if there's rumors of someone leaving mm-hmm. and there's the option of another officer being able to serve on the flagship, mm-hmm. like, they're going to jump at it and they're going to probably, and someone like her who is so ambitious and that she's gunning for the first officer's position, I'm sure she has like basically her, her ear to the grapevine at all times looking to see where she can maybe make a move because she knows what she wants in life. She knows what she wants in her career and she's always looking to make sure that she is like basically on the cusp of getting to that point. I get, I don't know. I... Riker hangs out with dudes, so he ought to know that dudes gossip just as much as girls do, and sometimes more. Some of them are just like, oh, hey, what's up? Uh, What's up? And then they don't really say anything else to anybody, but some of them just will totally, like, gossip about everybody and everything in their own special way. So, even if he thought only the Admiral and, like, maybe some other guy knew, of course they're gonna go and tell people, whatever. You know that? has come over here with Shelby what's he gonna do not talk to her at all the whole time if he thinks that she would be a good fit for that job he's probably gonna tell her that seemed like he had anyway so it's like yeah yeah. dudes are dudes are just as bad as women about that kind of thing so so his reply to her when she was talking about taking his job is she says I I heard you were leaving and he says well when I do I'm sure you'll be the first to know and it's like oh what a burn Riker (laughs) That was a little extra. Yeah, that was a little extra. Like, I, mean, at, I, at like least... he didn't, like, flail and then, like, just trounce off or something after. It seemed like he should have. I mean, at least he ends the scene with inviting her to the poker game, like, telling her where and when. So, I mean, he could have just been, like, he could have just laughed and not told her, but he does invite her to the poker game. I mean, I think he's probably just more intrigued by her than anything else. Yeah, I think he wants to, like, show her up when he invites her i don't think it's like oh yeah well then why don't you just come to the poker game it's like he's thinking yeah why don't you come to the poker game so i can beat you at something we'll see how great you are (laughs) no but i'm sure that Riker was hoping to best her at poker to like you know reestablish his you know big dog status so we're at the poker game it's you know some of the usual suspects Riker, deanna troy data jordy I wrote turd face, meaning Wesley and Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) I just was trying to think of a funny thing to call Wesley. This whole scene, I just kept thinking, I just kept hearing Picard's voice saying, shut up, Wesley. (laughs) Okay, so what is great is I actually wrote in the notes, everybody, Wes is asking dumb questions and getting embarrassed. 
mean, <laughs> so he's just basically having a normal day for him. <laughs> like he's supposed to be so smart, and sometimes he's really smart, but then sometimes it's like dumb. Like if he's so smart, why didn't he like study up on? I don't know. Whatever, it's fine. I mean, I think you know. I think when it comes to Wesley, you know, again, Wesley Crusher, not the best written character. Right, yeah. Also, the character of Wesley Crusher is meant to represent Gene Roddenberry as a young man and and his love of science fiction and all that. Wesley is supposed to be, like, incredibly a genius kid, but, like, no street smarts. Like, no, no, like, it's all all book smarts with him. And so for him, it's, he's almost like Data, but annoying. Because at least Data is like... Well, he's an android. Like he can't help it. He doesn't. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. But Wesley is a human being who should have picked up on like social cues from other people. But maybe he's actually a psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's actually plotting to kill everybody around him. I don't know because he just doesn't seem to understand how emotions work. <laughs> I was just thinking maybe he's on the spectrum somewhere, and you full like psychopath. Maybe. maybe. But I mean, it, he almost is written like he's supposed to be on the spectrum. Like, yeah. in, even in this scene with the with the poker game, I'm sure that Wesley understands, you know, the basics of poker. But he still falls for the bluff. He doesn't have enough yes, confidence. And that's in himself. understandable. But him like asking questions about what cards people have or whatever it was he was asked at the dump because Data's like, "Oh, you're not allowed to ask that." Because he was like asking what Data's other card was or something. It's like, why? What? Have you ever played any kind of game of cards? Yeah, I know. <laughs> also, too, like it's worth pointing out. Whenever they have these scenes of the crew playing poker, mm-hmm. I always think it's absolutely ridiculous because the Federation <laughs> does not use money. Money does not exist in the United Federation of Planets. So when they are like, it's too rich for my blood. What do you care? It's it's meaningless. They're There's, betting all that gold pressed latinum. <laughs> like the, at least at least with the Ferengi who, who use money and and when they play betting when when they gamble, they are gambling mm-hmm. with real money. Like that makes sense to me as a game of chance. This is meaningless. Here, I'll bet some more of my meaningless poker chips that have no money behind it. Why not? I'll just replicate eight bajillion more. <laughs> like it, it doesn't. It's just silly to me that they have gambling in the future when they don't use money. Well, to them, it's like if we were playing a board game and really getting into it. Like Monopoly money is so you know. It's, it, it's just funny. I guess it's, it's just a, one of those little you know, idiosyncrasy, idiosyncrasy. Ancient game that they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Anyway, so, uh, you know, they're going around and they're making, throwing in their their chips. Wes is like, I'll raise you 10, you know, and then Shelby's like, all right. And then Riker's like, you know, trying to show off and he's like, oh, look at my poker face, you all. Here's a hundred. So then everybody folds except for Shelby. She's like, I got to see what you've got because, you know, she's like, I don't care if I lose or not. I've got to see, you know. Yeah, I'm sure a big part of how she's. Yeah made it to this part it made it to her this part in her career is that she doesn't back down yeah you know even if she knows that maybe she's gonna fail she's still gotta see it through she's like you know what even if i went all in on double jeopardy i still was on jeopardy and i'm gonna exactly you know (laughs) so he ends up 
losing to her and it's the greatest thing because he's like mm-hmm. Meh. <laughs> yeah and then poor wesley is embarrassed again because his hand would have beat them both but he didn't stay in because he didn't take any risks but it was his first time play- that i can't i that's fine i understand that that was like supposed to be his first time playing with them i get it asking to see people's cards get out of here kid <laughs> I did write eye roll emoji next to yeah I saw because I thought that was pretty funny. Then we see a shot of the Enterprise and then of the like the Admiral's like transport ship or whatever that he was on. You know, it's a very Federation-y looking ship. Uh, we we open in the transporter room and O'Brien is over there pressing buttons, leaping and blooping. You know. <laughs> as one does as the transported chief does he bleeps and bloops all day sometimes i've been slaving over i've been slaving over a hot transporter all day bleeping and blooping (laughs) i'm I'm very tired now keiko can't you see i've been blooping all day (laughs) so Riker and jordy come in it's Oh, 500 hours. It's ready for the away team to beam down to the surface. Let's go. And Riker's like, oh, I guess this is just showing how way into this sort of rivalry he is because he's just like, oh, well, I guess Jada and our guests are late. Oh, like, yeah, no, he, he loves it that he probably that he felt like he showed up before her. Do you really think that Data would be late? Yeah, yeah Data doesn't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> he literally probably has an internal alarm clock. He's up. <laughs> right? Anyway, he's just so, like, in his whole head about this crap, you know. Come on, Riker. I hope you're better than this, but you're probably not. It turns out O'Brien knows where they are because he's been bleeping and blooping for hours. And about an hour ago, they come through, transport down to the surface. And Riker's like, under whose authority? And O'Brien's like, her own? I mean, I mean, she can. Like, she outranks O'Brien. And, you know, so for her to say, you know, beam us down. Okay, he has no reason to check those orders. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because... Again, you know, she she did do something wrong here. Like, she should not have mm-hmm. jumped ahead. Like, and we get to the in the scene where, you know, they're down there and she's like, oh, there was a weather system moving in and I knew we would be short on time. So, you know, I just grabbed Dana and left. Well, that should have been her cue to, like, you know, call C- Commander Riker, wake him up and be like, dude, there's, like, seriously a storm coming in. We should go now, you know, and, and go through him because he's, he's the first officer. Right. Yeah, like, I agree that she, I mean, it wouldn't even been much of anything. Like, if he wasn't awake, she could have left him a message, right? You know, like, come on. I think that does, again, come back to the fact that she's been in charge of her own task force mm. for the for these past months. So she's not used to really checking in to do something like this. Mm-hmm. So, like, you get her side of it is that, well, you know, I'm, I've been in charge of a task force. I've been in charge of other people. It makes no sense for me to wait. And then also, but there is the chain of command, mm-hmm. which according to Firefly is the chain that Jane gets to beat you with. <laughs> but in Star Trek, it is different. <laughs> but if she becomes first officer, she's got to answer to the captain. She can't just do whatever she wants. That is true. Either. So, you know, she's still like having to answer to somebody where she is. It's just that I agree that she's got, she's used to, 
dealing with her task force how she wants and if she wants to change the time that they're going they will or whatever because she's the one that made the time you know if her commanding officer if it's the admiral or somebody else was like you can only go at 0500 you can't go at 0400 you know then she probably wouldn't do it but you know if they were like yeah go just pick a team pick a time whatever that's fine you know that she has that ability and that freedom to to change it if she wants but because Riker outranks her in this situation he's got all three of those little circles filled in you know it's it's uh it's very hard here we want you know it's like we we want to root for her and we want to boo him which we can still boo him that's fine <laughs> in this situation but it's like oh come on please do the right <laughs> thing um so they beam down to the surface, you know, Jordy and Riker, and then we have Data and Shelby are blooping and bleeping with their tricorders or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they found some interesting results. Um, you know, and before they can really even talk about it, Riker's like, "Come with me," <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, he's, like, I, I, grabbing her by the ear, basically, and dragging her away, you know? It's like, but I will respect is that he wants to have a conversation with her, which will probably yeah. involve some dressing down. Mm-hmm. And he he doesn't do it in front of Data do, yeah, and Jordy. He does walk her away. So there is, like, he's showing her that respect because she is lieutenant commander. Right so now she's earned he's that showing rank. her the respect. But right. Anyway. <laughs> but... But also, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, he doesn't give her the dressing down in front of other subordinates, yeah. which is a bad which is it's terrible it creates a really bad um, morale among the whole crew so it's like he's at least showing her respect yeah. in the fact that it's like you know he's telling her you know come take a walk with me because we need to talk yeah like yeah i i totally agree he he could have easily just dressed her down in front of the other um people there and she and jordy and data are all the same rank they're all <laughs> lieutenant commander but um he he could have done that but he does take her aside and does speak to her in private even though Jordy knows like Jordy basically is like ooh she's double. <laughs> like he's kind of like that but he doesn't do it in front of them so I do respect him for that because she, she's like oh the early bird catches the worm or whatever and I'm like do people in the 24th century actually still say that like seriously like you don't have a newer saying like right? the early rancor catches the Jedi <laughs> That's hey, that's even that's more that's ancient and a different out. podcast. We don't talk about that <laughs> here. <laughs> Unless we're saying how it's less good than Star Trek. I, <laughs> I have no, I have not taken part in that. No, I have no made reference. I say it. <laughs> Star Wars is my one true love. Uh, so Data doesn't understand because he's like, there aren't any birds or worms here. So what is she talking about? <laughs> I think she's wrong. And I love him because Jordy's like, uh, no, that was just the same, but you're right. She is, she was wrong. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but you could just tell that like, if, if, like, if Jordy had been with an actual person, like they would have been gossiping about this because later Riker, him and Riker were kind of talking about her like, oh, you know, she's a handful. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't 
as the boss, you don't go and tell other employees that even if they're the same rank or if they're different or whatever. Like, that just, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> but I feel like it also challenges morale whenever you're talking bad about one of them with somebody else. So, like I said, early bird catches the worm. She wanted to go before the storm. After Riker and Shelby do, you know, they go off to their walk and talk. And then she's like, well, can I give you my report now? Because it's important. And he's, you know, yes, yes, please turns out same signatures it's the borg there's no doubts now same waves and techno babble and all that kind of stuff as they found on the whole of the ship besides the terrain being cut up the way they've seen it in other places the borg so we go back to the enterprise stardate 43993.5 there are a lot of stardates in this episode there are (laughs) but it's fun it's still thursday june 2nd but it's 344. 55. We learned that Hanson has gone back to Starbase 324. Shelby stayed on because she knows a lot about the Borg and she's been, you know, she's a tactical officer. She's been trying to figure out how to take, how to take on the Borg these whole six months that she's been there, you know, maybe among other things, maybe the only thing Rue don't know for sure, but she's made herself very acquainted with what they do and who they are and all that. Uh, you know, we, uh, we see Riker and Picard in the ready room, and they're talking. Riker says he's issued a standing yellow alert, and all the star bases have been warned, you know, because the Borg have been found to have decimated this colony. Just in case you don't remember, since I had so many digressions there. <laughs> they assign Data and Wesley to help Shelby with her work. And Picard asks Riker what he thinks of her. And, you know, he's like, well, she's knowledgeable, but, you know. She's... And I wrote that she's cocky because I feel like that's kind of where he wants to go with saying that. But he's trying to be nice. Trying to be nicer, I guess. But he's just like, man, she's got her own way of about her, you know, you know, kind of thing. I mean, do you all agree that that's kind of where he's going, or you know? Oh yeah, I I do. They think she's kind of full of herself, and I wrote sound familiar <laughs> because it's like, and then of course, you know, Picard's like, well, I remember when I took a chance on a on a first officer who was just the exact same way, you know, and it's, Riker's kind of like, mm, yeah, but it's not. It doesn't make him think about Shelby different. It just makes him whiny about himself that he's not like that anymore. Of course that doesn't happen this scene. It happens soon but it's like do we have to? Anyway but Picard asks him why he hasn't taken the captain post because he's like I think you're ready and I'm like okay Jean-Luc I I usually can go with what you have to say but I think you're wrong in this (laughs) in this spot because anytime he's Picard. He because doesn't want to That's leave true. Him. And I like the two of them together. I think they work well together because they have different sort of personalities. But anytime Riker's been in charge, he gets a little power hungry to me. Like, he's just, ah, yeah, do this. I'm the captain. La, la, la. You know, or when he uh, had the Q powers, he's like, ha, I can do everything. Look, I can make you whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. Look at me. You know, it's like. Right. But then like, in in, in, in all fairness, that that episode does happen early in the season. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I, I will say this. In this in the series, they've already pulled out. They've already offered Riker a command three times. I know, and 
I so, don't know that he would like the way his character is. I don't think he would have been ready for them to have asked him three times, except for the fact that he is a white American man because Starfleet was created in America by white men. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I, but at the same time, I think like is he at this point in his career ready to take command? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. It's it might it's still unclear. Mm-hmm. But I think that we do see character growth from Riker, yes. certainly yes. from like episode one to this episode we certainly do see character growth and i'm sure that if we had gotten more of commander shelby we would have seen her character grow as well and she would have matured and yeah and probably become less headstrong but at the same time Riker knows his worth right um Riker knows how good he is i mean everybody should have that everybody should know how good you are at something at the thing that you do and the thing is that Shelby also knows how good she is at mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you know, so again, does it rub him the wrong way because it reminds him of himself? I think to a degree, yes. But I, again, I think that's more of a show in 1990 mm-hmm. saying women shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's a combination of both personally. But I do think that by the time we get to the end of the second episode... I think her and Riker have really come to a good understanding oh. of their relationship. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, uh, like I feel like he has had growth, and like if they've if they've offered her had offered him a post as captain once before, this one that would have. But like the fact that this is the third time, that seems like a little much because later on, for sure, because I like him more and more as the series goes on, because. I don't know if the writing for him got better or if they were just trying to show personal growth or a little bit of both. But I, you know, and from what I've seen in the trailers, I adore him in Picard. <laughs> yeah. So. But I, I also think, too, you know, when they cast Jonathan Frakes to play William T. Riker, they really did cast him to be like a Captain Kirk archetype. You know, they yeah. he was the handsome one. He was the one who was going to you know, get all the ladies. And and I think early Riker, first and second season, you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. You see Riker getting it on with a lot of different women. And you do see him as the season show goes on. For sure, you do see him have relationships and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do think also that they do settle him in to a more mature role mm-hmm. as he goes along, mm-hmm. which is only natural for all people. As right. they get older, they mature, you know. Right. But, um, you know, again, when he was first on, you know, the, the Enterprise, he was young and, and, and needed to mature as well. And baby-faced. <laughs> yeah, no beard. Pre-beard Riker is not as good as bearded Riker. Yeah, Everybody 100%. knows that. Oh, that, yeah. is, that is accepted. Bearded Riker is superior Riker. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Also, I don't know if they anticipated how much of a lady killer uh, Jean-Luc Picard would be to the actual audience. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no. They were just like, oh, here's this, you know, distinguished Shakespearean British actor. He's older. He's bald, whatever. It's like, no, no, no. They did not take into account the effect that he would have on so many fangirls' panties. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nice. Uh <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just having a hard time because I'm whining a lot about Riker. And then the next scene, he's in 10 forward with Deanna Troy. And he's whining to her because he doesn't know what he wants. But, okay. I understand she's the counselor. Like, do they only have one counselor for for a thousand people? I guess mm-hmm. they don't have as many problems because Roddenberry didn't think there was a lot of conflict. So they may not have as many things they need to talk about. But... I mean, they, they've never shown her with a staff. Yeah. Like, like you know, Dr. Crusher has a staff. She has other doctors that work under her. She has nurses. She has a full, is it sick bay, right? And that's for physical injuries. Yeah. But Troy, you, you only ever see her in her office mm-hmm. counseling people individually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think she has a staff. I think she is the... I think she is the one counselor for the entire ship. I think it would have been a good idea to have more than one. Not that that matters with the writing necessarily, but it's like, there with that many people, there was going to be somebody that she could have a conflict of interest relationship with, you know? Well, it's 100% conflict of interest for her with him because... Yeah. Like she's his ex. Yeah. I mean, he shows up on sh- on the ship the first point and um at the first time in Farpoint, and immediately she's talking in his head, Nimzadi. <laughs> like that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but again, that's how the show wrote her, right? Like that's the true. show wrote her, right? The the first time that we see her and him together, she's like, "Do you remember how I taught you how to read my thoughts?" And it's like. <laughs> It's like it's the equivalent of like remember all those nudes I sent you and <laughs> but, <laughs> but like this this scene in Send Forward is really interesting because when when Riker says that like he sacrificed a lot and he motions yeah. toward Deanna. So in Star Trek Canon and, and you get this in the books and they do reference this in other um versions, um when when he was a young lieutenant about to be promoted to, to lieutenant commander, I believe, um, he and her had a plan. They were supposed to meet on RISA mm-hmm. for, like, this big vacation. And, mm-hmm. and like, they were ha- they were hot and heavy, and mm-hmm. they were probably going to get real serious. And then he basically decided he was offered a chance at a promotion, but um, he, like, had to take it right away. Mm-hmm. And instead of, like... Because it's super easy in the future to call people. Like, you just send them a message, subspace, wherever they are, and they get it. Instead of, like, even telling her, I'm not going to be able to meet you, he just literally stands her up. Yeah. She goes to the planet. She waits for him there. He doesn't show up. And that's the end of their relationship. Like, he completely goes out of her life. And, And he was okay with that decision. Because it advanced his career. So again, here's the show telling you, it's totally cool to treat a woman like shit. (laughs) Sorry, crap. And um, it's totally okay to do that. Becca's going to get buzzed again. I am going to get buzzed. I always get buzzed (laughs) in my potty mouth. Um, It's okay for a man to treat a woman like that because he's advancing his career. But imagine if Shelby did the same thing. Imagine if Shelby ditched a guy. Oh my God, what a... What a, you know what yeah you know, yeah, be this, be this ice queen <laughs> yeah so i mean again like he out and out stood this woman up and he was totally fine with it and he even says i liked those things about me you were totally cool with your behavior bro mm-hmm. like and now it's a problem <laughs> like what is like, that like, yeah 
I was a douche canoe and I liked it. Yeah. You know? But no one else can be a douche canoe. But, you know. At least the fault they've got a vagina. But... Don't you dare be a douche canoe. <laughs> boys will be boys. Yeah. Um, so... Boys will be held accountable for their decision. Yes. Okay. She like She's talking to him not as his friend, ex-girlfriend, more like she's still, like she's just always in this like counselor mode where she talks to people like this and she says, well, how does that make you feel? Like every TV psychologist asks. Hmm. Which I had a real one ask me that before. Like I told her sometimes, she was like, well, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, I just, I, I just told you all of that. Like that's, did you not extrapolate any of that from what I just said? <laughs> it's like, it's such a, um, it's such a bleep it's answer. Bleep. And now I just got bleeped. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. We both got bleeped. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, you know, it's fine. Like, I guess she's still like his friend, but you know, after he's like, Oh, I don't know what I want. So then she, at, I do like that. She asked him again, what he wants, because, he really needs to figure it out for himself. He needs to stop. He needs to stop whining to her. Like he can whine to her for a little while. That's the thing. It's like you have friends, and they'll let you know. They'll let you complain for a while, and then they're like, you know what? I know you can do better. You can do this. I'm rooting for you, kind of thing, you know. And it's like I'll be here behind you. Just don't worry, you know. Let you wallow, and then help you back up, <laughs> you know? And so she kind of is, to me, sort of tries to do that, you know, the best way they think a lady can, I guess. <laughs> but she, because she tells him that he's, you know, she, he's happier than he, she's ever known him, and that he's grown so much, which we have seen that. We just discussed that. And that he's comfortable there. And, you know, oh, maybe I'm too comfortable. No. There's not anything wrong with being comfortable. You can get too comfortable sometimes places and get in a rut. But there's people. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable somewhere. And like <laughs> if he if he wants to shake up his career, he can do that. Yeah. Like it it is in his power to do it. So, I mean, it, it it's a, I think the conversation in Ten Forward is a good one because it I think she I think Deanna does help him kind of analyze his feelings toward himself, toward Shelby, towards his career. Because by the end of the second episode, he's very confident in his decision of what he wants to do. Like, yeah. he's extremely confident. And so we can see that, you know, and it's not just this conversation, but everything that happens after that has made him feel much more secure in his position. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a good it's a good moment, certainly between like two people who are you know friends mm -hmm. and were one time more than friends. But um, I th I I think it's a good scene, and I think it helps him kind of start to work out you know what he's feeling. Yeah, I did tell the girls before we started that I had put in the notes, cue white straight white man tears because he's whining. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I crashed so... a lot of uh, straight white man moments in this. Yeah, so it's like, it's fine. It's fine. I understand. Like, he's got a lot of conflict, and he, it might have been, that's why they need another, like, counselor, because he really should have gone to somebody who was, you know, could be more, like, objective. objective. Yeah. And, you know, be able to be, like, so. You know, what do you want? 
why do you feel that way? You know, are you sure? Like, can you weigh the pros and cons? Hey, you know, do this and that. And, you know, do you feel like you've grown? Do you think you're ready for this? That kind of stuff. And instead, you know, but like I said, she ends up kind of talking to him like I would hope my friends would, like if I were having this problem, which I have to say, they do, you know, also Rebecca, I know you've done this to me too. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it's it's helpful. It's like you know we're gonna pick you up and get you cleaned off, and you're better than you feel right now. <laughs> you know, right. like you're so much more than this. So, you know, like I I do I like that bit of it, but um, I did think it was kind of funny that she sort of asked him it was kind of that tropey psychology thing at the beginning. Like, well, how does that make you feel? <laughs> right. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like I, I do like that he, like, because he did go to her as a friend. So I do like that he went to her as a friend to talk to her. Because I kind of, even how, like, problematic and annoying he can be in the earlier seasons. Like, I like that they finally did get together later on. And um, I like that they stayed, like, best friends the whole time. Like, I just thought that was, I don't know. It was, it was, it was nice, and they could have stayed best friends the whole, still into Picard, and I still would have been fine with them just being best friends and not together, but, um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'll stop going into my ships. We'll go back to the actual ship. <laughs> oh, nice pun. <laughs> <laughs> thank y'all, thank y'all. So, in engineering, we've got Data and Shelby and Wesley and Jordy. They're doing all this techno babble, and turns out, camera pans around, there's Riker. He's listening in, some other, you know, uh, lieutenants or whoever are behind him, you know. I made a note that one of the um, female lieutenants behind him looks super bored. (laughs) (laughs) She is just like, "Uh, I hope I just get my day right and I can just go home. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I don't want to wear this jumpsuit She looks anymore. so bored. Oh, if I hear him say electromagnetic field generator one more time. <laughs> <laughs> she looks so Oh my done. gosh, she, is, she, has, she has like, ugh, face. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> so they're thinking if they can break one board generator you know, then another one's going to come up right away without any kind of interruption because that's sort of how the board works. Like, you know, you shoot one, well, then there's another one who's... It's his job to kill you this time instead of the other guy, you know, or whatever. Um, so, you know, Riker wants to know how much damage they would need to do to a Borg ship in order to, you know, shut them down for, you know, any period of time. Because even a couple minutes would be good for them. Um, Shelby says they could get, they could, you know, be down 78%. So that means that the cube could be working on 22% and still be okay. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I've had cell phones that when they get to 27% and I try to get on to Facebook, it just dies on me. So I'm like, right? good <laughs> good for you, Borg. What sort of ion lithium battery are the, are right? the Borg using? <laughs> right? Because it's like, you know, it's you're not getting a ding, 
ding, it's you're at twenty percent. You know, <laughs> plug yourself in. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he wants to know how long it takes. Jordy thinks it's going to be like eighteen months uh, to complete these these you know these updates to the weapon systems and all that kind of thing. And what I they really just... wanted him to say, but you don't have to take my word for it, <laughs> and that never came. Oh no. <laughs> that's amazing i love it um <laughs> so and the, and he says that it's designed to you know to knock out about as much as that like the 78 percent, basically about that much so you know they're getting kind of close with what they can do um and shelby thought that they were projecting 24 months and i'm like just say two years <laughs> yeah really because <laughs> i feel like Side note, I feel like when people say their children are 24 months or something, I'm like, they're two years old. I was literally <laughs> just thinking that, oh, my daughter is like 78 months old. And it's like, <laughs> just say she's almost four. Because <laughs> I guess I'm technically 300 and something months oh old. Gosh. Like, <laughs> It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, Jordy and Wesley are, like, burnout. Both of them. They're like, I'm tired. I can't. I can't think straight anymore. I think one of them says their brain is clay or something. Shut um, up, Wesley. Right. And then Shelby's <laughs> like, well, let's, uh, you know, we should do this. And how about we do that? And, you know, and Riker's like, no, you need to go to bed. And she's just like, but, I mean, Data doesn't have to sleep. Let me do this. And he's like, oh, no, that's an order. Instead of letting, instead of letting this woman, you know, stay up maybe an hour or two later, like, and trusting that she knows her, like, capacity, or what, you know, like, she knows herself well enough that she will be responsible enough to get some sleep, he's just, nope, out, you know. But also, this could also just be a bit of a callback to how much Mm -hmm. he recognizes himself in Shelby and that maybe he knows in a situation like this he would push himself as well to maybe be Mm -hmm. up for like 48 solid hours but then when the crisis comes she's not going to be thinking clear-headed because maybe he's done the same thing and so just to give him the benefit of the doubt instead of him just being you know big white man and this is what I'm telling you to do he's just like look go to bed now because probably it's going to take her a while anyway to shut her brain off This way, at least, maybe she can get a couple of hours of sleep instead of just working clear through the night because she's going to get on a tangent. And when the crisis does come, she won't be clear-headed. Right. And I understand that because I definitely would do that. But I I know that whenever people are going to do something that I think I, that I know that I would do, but I don't know if they would, I'd be like, I know if it were me, I would probably stay up later than I intended to, and then I would be worthless. <laughs> Not that exactly. you would need to say that, but you know, if it were one of you, I would say, you know, I would be worthless the next day. So maybe it's uh, it would be a good thing to make sure you get enough rest so that we can clearly think about things in the morning. But I'm <clears throat> that that's not how he talks to people. That's fine, I guess. Whatever, <laughs> you know. It's, there's just a lot of times where he, like, it feels like he could be nicer, more civil to her, being overdramatic about things. Because it is understandable. She should get sleep. Yeah. And I think this is where some of my own personal, like, dislike of the character of Shelby was coming through. Because it's just like, 
like, girl, he's just trying to help you. But maybe that's also how the character is written and that, you know, the writers want me to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And it's less about, like, well, she's a strong woman and she does know her own limits Mm -hmm. is he's, like, maybe mansplaining to her what her limits actually are. I feel like someone like her would know her own limits. Like, my big sister in my sorority is this girl, basically. She's like a police detective and like she's always known what she's wanted to do and she's gone for it and she you know has always been very direct and able to do things and ambitious and everything i would have trusted her to know when she hit her limit and could go to sleep but obviously Riker doesn't know she'll be that well so and he is just looking out for her so we go back to the enterprise uh picard is pacing on the bridge Worf gets a sensor in their range, and he hailed it with no response. So they decide to change course to intercept, and turns out that ship changes course to intercept with them. They bring it on screen, and it's a Borg cube, of course. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, (laughs) Picard, I, I don't know, I just wrote this down because I thought it was great. Picard tells Worf to call Hanson and say, we have engaged the Borg. Mm. <laughs> and... I wrote a note too. I was like, oh, it's so hot. I wrote, I wonder what China pattern they'll replicate because, you know, engaged. I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry. <laughs> I'm a nerd. We see the Borg cube and the Enterprise together, you know, in like one of those space shots. Um, and they're specifically hailing Picard. They're not just like, hey, we need to talk to somebody. They're like, we want to talk to Jean-Luc Picard and now. Thanks. You know? I would hail Picard too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For different reasons. But, I, you mean, know, I mean, why? I mean, I was going to say why even talk, but I mean, he's got a great voice. So, you know, whatever. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're still not sure if this is like the same ship that they had encountered in a previous episode, but, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Um, Data says, uh, the dimensions are the same, and I don't, you know, all the Borgs could have the same size cubes, who knows? That is true. Yeah, they don't know that. Yeah, they don't have any idea yet. So, they're like, hey, we need to talk to you. And so, Picard's like, this is Jean-Luc Picard, and then the Borg finishes sentence. <laughs> and it's not just one Borg. Like, keep in mind, The Borg is like collective, so it's all of these voices, sort of monotone, robotic-y, saying it. It's like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) creepy. Oh, the Borg are so creepy. They are. For, like, cyborgs that don't have any kind of personality, they can still be pretty creepy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've often, I think in a previous episode or... Maybe a future one because I've lost track of when we recorded these things. <laughs> I, I think I, I we did say that the or I said that the Borg were like a combination between like mm-hmm. the Daleks and the Cybermen mm-hmm. from from yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah, you know they've sort of got the quote unquote best from both of them, and they really do because <gasps> would you say they have the best of both worlds? <gasps> I she would. Said the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. she said, the name, the, she said the name of the show in the, in the thing. but yeah it, it's true they are because they are the collective mm-hmm. and they are terrifying because you can't stop them and they yeah. work as one yeah so the borg are like you need to lower your shield and prepare to come over here and he's just like what no 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 and they keep saying they're gonna destroy the enterprise and it goes back and forth and back and forth and then picard's like you ain't gonna do that it's not going to happen. Sorry about it. Of course, 
They just keep telling him, you know, resistance is futile. You're going to be destroyed. But good old Picard, he's not taking it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, nobody knows why they want Picard right now, but we will find out soon. They fire all the weapons. Doesn't do anything. Borg shoot at at the Enterprise. They damage uh, some of engineering. There are 11 people who have died just in engineering. There are 11 people in engineering who have died, and then they still have plenty of people to run things. And Deanna Troy is the only counselor. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about how extra LaForge was by rolling under the door unnecessarily? Oh, it was very extra. Yes! Like, it wasn't even down that far, and he's just like, barrel roll! He had like four (laughs) feet of space and then rolls (laughs) under the door. He could have comfortably gone ducked under under the door. I would have liked him. He rolled. I would have liked him to limbo under the door. That would have given (laughs) it some good flair. (laughs) But yeah, then they also have eight people who are unaccounted for. They get locked in some of those like firewalls. I almost called them flood walls because (laughs) I live on a river. I mean, not I live at the river. Live on a river. I don't physically live (laughs) on the water. Uh, (laughs) um, So we have flood walls for whenever it gets too high. But uh, you know, maybe some of them got trapped behind that or whatever, or they just ran away and then dropped their communicator so nobody knows where they are. People are scared to death. Obviously, people are dying. People are hurt. But it's it's bad. <sighs> so I, I, I would yes. also like to point out that right around when this happens, right before Jordy has to evacuate engineering, mm-hmm. there is a scene where they are fighting the Borg. And yeah. oh yes, um, uh, Shelby says something about you know we you know we should modulate the phasers or whatever, and Riker seriously mansplains to her they have the ability to adapt. Yeah, and she's like, first of all. <laughs> The look she gives him is a drop dead, like, I hope you just drop dead, buddy, look. The other thing is, she's the head of the task force in charge (laughs) of defeating the board. You don't think she knows that, but you felt the need to tell her, explain to her, mansplain to her that they can adapt. Right. Thanks, Riker. What would we do without you and your penis telling people what's what? Like... (laughs) It's just so, ugh, so gross. We see that they can adapt because they're showing up in engineering too then, right? No. No, that's not when they show up. They show up later. Okay. So they try to do this randomization thing so that the board can't get them. So then they book it out of there. They're like, let's go. Um, the, the Borg follow. Uh, Jordy is going to work from the bridge since everything's cut off in engineering. <laughs> And rolled under that door. I know, right? He's like, he, he's like he rolls <laughs> off the turbo lift into the bridge. <laughs> he just rolls everywhere now. He, ro- he like tumbles <laughs> off the turbo lift and rolls out. Woo, just made it. <laughs> Pops yeah. over that back console. Parkour. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Hardcore. <laughs> Do you even lift, bro? <laughs> oh god. So they're like, hey, there's a nebula cloud over there. Let's go hide in it. Because, you know, maybe the Borgs can't sense them over there. And well, as long as the Borg keep looking for them, Picard thinks that they won't bother anybody else. So, you know, they already know they're in this. They may not get out of it. He's fine with that. He just doesn't want them bothering anybody else until he can kind of figure out how to get rid of them. So we go to the observation lounge. Uh, Shelby and Data are doing some sort of like presentation with graphics and videos and, you know, renderings and things. And they're talking about like the frequency 
that they u- need to blast the cube. And I did write, like, when they showed the, the wide shot from far back, you see someone on the left-hand side leaning really far back in their chair. And then when they sh- go to the front, it's Riker's chair. Of course it is. Because it looked like someone was, like, so bored, just kind of, like, leaning back, like, ugh. And it's like, oh, is that Wesley? Because he's a kid. No, it's Riker. <laughs> oh, crazy. Anyway, but, um, yeah, if they can get this frequency stuff to work, it should blow up the Borg ship, but they'll have to be so close to blow up the Enterprise, too. So it's like, let's go back to the drawing board and figure out if we can get farther back. So uh, Shelby is like, let's separate the ship. And <laughs> Riker's like, everything, Shelby. Right. <laughs> and Riker's like, no, no, it's too risky. I have never heard him say that to Captain Picard, by the way. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, she says that she'd rather Picard, you know, make that decision or whatever. And, you know, he says that he'll tell, uh, you know, that he takes all alternative ideas to the captain. In this scene, and then the one where the Admiral is talking to to them, like, via Skype, the Admiral <laughs> is just CGI'd onto the screen, you know, for yeah. footage or whatever. <laughs> In the original version, there's no reflection on the table, but then the stuff that's displayed that Data and Shelby are showing is actually displayed on the screen, so you see the reflection on the table. I watched the remastered version, so there's a reflection for both. But I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, that's That's cool. cool. Yeah. That's cool. So after, you know, he's like, oh, well, I tell the captain. And he just dismisses everybody. But basically, it's just like Data and... Wesley and Shelby who leave and Jordy's sticking around and he's just like oh hey techno babble techno babble uh, we need to do some higher power transfers on a reflector dish and it's like oh, okay <laughs> and so it'll take the better part of a day and I'm okay you don't really have days and nights but okay <laughs> before Riker is like yeah okay he he doesn't even give him an answer yes or no or that's okay or can you do it faster or whatever he just automatically goes into like, as, like talking about Shelby, and this is where I was like, I as a manager, I don't think that he needs to be like necessarily discussing how he feels about you know other employees' work conduct with other people. You know what I mean? Like maybe he shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, she's his subordinate, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, like he's like her manager, and he's talking to another subordinate about her behavior. I mean, that's really unprofessional. And then he's like, I can handle her. Yes. That's what I like. I wrote barf after that. Because just the way he said it. barf worthy. Yeah. Because he's just like, well, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. She's meh, meh. You know, and they're going on. And he goes, don't worry about it. I can handle her. And it's like, you were just acting like you didn't want to deal with her. What? (laughs) They do some, like, interesting shots in this episode, I noticed, because next we're in the ready room, and it looks like Picard is sort of staring off into nothing for a second, and Riker comes in, and oh, look! He was sitting across from Shelby, because she'd come in and told her her saucer plan, you know, and and Riker's kind of annoyed because she went over his head. She didn't trust that he would tell Picard, but she also didn't say, well, then, she didn't, you know, she didn't say, well, you know, do you mind if I talk to him, or can we go together to talk to you know, both of them are just having problems communicating with each other. They're just really butting heads on things. Um... So Picard says, I agree with you, Riker. It's not 
it's too risky to do it now, but I want you to use that as a plan B because we might need to separate. And I'm like, is Picard feeling okay? Because he's the one who's always saying they need to separate. <laughs> and <laughs> in a future episode, Rebecca says that. And I'm like, I didn't, I haven't noticed that. And that was before I started watching. I had seen so many and rewatched so many. And yes, up to this point, he has said it a lot. From the beginning of the series to this episode, he said it quite a few times. So it's like, I'm going to take his temperature because I think he's not feeling okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shelby and Riker. Go, leave the reading room. They get in a turbo lift. She wants to go to the battle bridge. You know, he wants to talk to her first. Instead of talking to her there or in the, you know, he's like, stop. No. Like, he could have, nobody else was going to be on the battle bridge. He could have waited to talk to her there or whatever, you know, if he didn't want to talk to her out in the open in the hallway. I do appreciate that because he, you know, he might get mad or he might say something he didn't want anybody else to hear. That's fine. So I'm okay with that. It's just, you know, he's just like, Halt! You know, <laughs> to, the, <Yeah. laughs> to the elevator. You know, he tells her that he's mad. He says that he would have rather her, that her, she went through him to to tell Picard this. She did the least amount. She told Riker, and Riker said he would tell Picard, but obviously somewhere along the lines, he didn't make it to Picard before she did, so he hadn't told him, you know. You know, she thinks that he's mad just because, you know, she's stepping on his toes or whatever, but he says, it's not just that. You know, we could have done, we could have worked together on this. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to believe that, you know, he really wanted to, to work that. So, you know, that should be the end of it, but <laughs> she's just standing there and kind of like, okay, so fine, whatever. It's done. And he says... That he's, you know, if she ever does anything like that again, he's going to, like, knock her into next Christmas or whatever it was. Like, like he would he would knock her back to being, to being a first a, year. Yeah, guy. first year. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse you? <laughs> that I was mean, a I, I, I will say this. I think she, I think to a degree what she did of going straight mm. to Picard was on the was on the inappropriate side. Yeah. Like, like I don't there think is a she, chain. I don't think she necessarily gave Riker enough time. To go to Picard. I think no, as soon as she he didn't. dismissed them, she went straight there. Yeah. Like, in this case, I think this is an example of her doing something that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Her motivations may have been, you know, good and, and, and noteworthy, but she did it incorrectly. There is mm -hmm. a protocol. There is a chain of command on a starship. Mm -hmm. And she did not follow the chain of command. And it's not like Riker did something. It's not like Riker said to her, I won't tell your I won't tell the captain about yeah. your plan. So yeah, she this is a case of her not doing something correct. Right, right. For sure. Uh, but I don't necessarily think it warrants him like, you know, being like to the moon. You know, <laughs> like it's a little <laughs> to the moon, Alice. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, it's like that was a little harsh. But yeah, she definitely shouldn't have done that. She could have at least waited until she knew that you were done talking to whoever you needed to talk to and had time to go talk to the captain instead of just booking it over there but but so she says like can i speak frankly and he's like yes please you know and she's like you're in my way and <laughs> you know i was like oh it would be funny if it was just because he was actually physically standing in her way but you know she means like professionally she's uh, she's done with him at this point in time i think because she's just like you're in my way and i'm i'm gonna you know go through you if i have to basically <laughs> Ooh, you know, she is no more pleasantries, but I mean, if somebody says they're gonna, you know, knock you back a few years, that's, I mean, that's some, that's some rough, some rough words there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they go on to, 
you know, to the to the uh, battle bridge, and he tells her that he's going to play it safe with the Enterprise and the crew. You, you know, she said, and she tells him again that he's in the way and that he needs to, you know, let somebody who could be a little more risky there. And you know, he's mildly annoyed by that. <laughs> like, well, she also accuses him of hiding in the shadow of oh, yeah, Picard, yeah. true, yes. um, and passing up commands. So she's like basically like, you know, get out of my way of someone who's going to be like basically a better compliment to him yeah. as the captain instead of this first officer who's just like this, who's become like a shrinking violet practically. Yeah, it, it's like, it's like she does not know how much that's like messing with Riker's mind because he's already feeling like that. But he's not communicating that to her. He's just taking it out on her and it's, you guys just need to sit in a room and talk this out <laughs> <laughs> star date it's another one four three nine nine six point two so we've gone to the next day it's friday the third of june of 2366 and it's 1700 hours so that means it's like it's like 531 i never know if i should be like exact like 31 you know or whatever that it says but i kind of like that it's very exact they're still in the cloud that's basically all that happens Picard still doesn't know why they want him. He starts walking around and he's checking on things. Uh, he he continues this walking around the ship. He walks into 10 forward. From our angle, we can see him come through the door. We see Guinan over in the corner. You know, he walks over to the window and is looking out. And she, out of the shadow, says, Do you have trouble sleeping too? You know? And, you know, he says that it's tradition for a captain to tour the ship before this battle. And he brings up all this, I've went quote-unquote ancient history because not all of it's as ancient as others comparatively, you know, like to us at this point in time. But he brings up stuff like Nelson going to Trafalgar and then, like, the Roman Empire. And it's like, why couldn't they brought up Watergate or something? I don't know, because there wasn't a captain. But I don't know. It's like, I feel like there could have been something more closer to the time period that this was written to seem like that was still also like ancient times to them i don't know they could have made something up from they do that sometimes i know they do that sometimes too like (laughs) you know uh oh it's just like what happened when you know um you know shakespeare wrote his sonnets or when you know, bluggy blah wrote his famous play on you know Jure Four. You know they yeah. they 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 do that sometimes. Captain, what's his butt? Won the battle of New York. I, Captain, what's I mean, his butt? <laughs> I I just can't get into blubbity blah. Like he's uh, no, he's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> Always existential crisis. <laughs> he's so extra. She asked if he expects to win. He's like. You know, it's a possibility we can. And so she reminds him that her people have come in contact with the board. Some of them died, but some of them survived. And so there is a chance, but it could take millennia or something. You know, like it could take a long time, but... Well, I mean, she, she definitely brings out the point that, like, even if there's just a handful of humans left, mm-hmm. if there's some of you left, then then you've you still won yeah because right. you've still kept your culture alive so even in her case you know there's not a lot of her people left but she's still around and she's mm-hmm. still there to tell the story so you know that's that's kind of what she's telling Picard like even if not everyone survives as long as some of you do mm-hmm. that's the most important thing so so yeah 
you know, they've been, you know, he thinks that this is just going to be another page in the history book. And then all of a sudden there's some explosion and he gets called to the bridge by Worf. So we go to the bridge. They're on red alert. There's red lights flashing everywhere. Uh, Riker lets Picard know that uh, there's a magnometric guided charges. Something. Uh, uh, charge again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> Techno babble, <laughs> and when they show it, it looks like the Northern Lights. I was like, "Oh, it's Aurora Borealis! Look at that!" Um, their shields are forty-eight percent. You know, they rock. I love how they do the like, you know, rocking over like they got hit or an earthquake or something. It's, it's cute. Um, Picard wants to get the heck out of there. Jordy does some more techno babble about shield harmonics. Then they get hit, and it's like, oh, geez, you know, this is this is bad. But they prepare to leave, and they ready their weapons, and the Borg follows them. They keep trying to catch them with the tractor beam, and finally they do. Then Borg drones start appearing on the ship. You know, for the time being, a couple of them can get shot because of the phasers, because they've, you know, recalibrated phasers, or whatever they've done. And as soon as one is dead, then another one pops up, and then blah, you know, they're back and forth and back and forth. Um, and one pops up in the midst of this and just grabs Picard and is gone. <laughs> oh. <Bye. laughs> oh, no. You know, so if you're watching this for the first time, it's like, ooh, this is not good. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely remember watching this as a kid and just being so like, oh, my God, they got the captain. Right? <laughs> like, how is this going to end? And this being the season finale, and, you know, you don't have Netflix, oh. so you just can't watch the next oh. episode. You had to wait. And it was Months. Three whole months. It was like three oh months and a God. week when I looked it up to see how far it was in between. I'm like, oh that is a rough summer. Yeah, no, that whole summer you're just like, what happens to Picard? Oh my God, the boy got him. Sure, the ice cream man is here, but what happened? <laughs> what about Picard? Picard doesn't have ice cream in the board ship. <laughs> <laughs> right? So like, Worf had shot one, and Riker had tackled one, and they disappear when the drone that grabs Picard disappears. And so Riker falls to the floor because he had, was, like, on top of him, holding him down or whatever, and that's kind of amusing. I do think it's funny that uh, Worf shoots a phaser at the Borg, and it it doesn't work now because yeah. they've adapted. And then Riker's like, I know, I'll punch it. And I'm just like, <laughs> so the phaser didn't work, but you think you can punch it. And it'll, oh, okay, yeah. sure, Riker. Go, sure, Jan, go ahead, yeah. try it. I mean, it's just, just you know, listen, I'll Riker's going to write, you know, it's just crazy. <laughs> so... And Worf does parkour over the back console, though. He does. <laughs> he like, he does. He parkours so hard over that horseshoe. <laughs> He's just like, you know. And the Borg just basically, like, slaps him. <laughs> I know. Those like, Borg. You're supposed to be a Klingon, a warrior race. And the Borg is just like, blink, and yeah. you're done. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So sometimes Worf also gets a short end of things. You know, sometimes Worf is like the most powerful crew member. And then at other times, it's like he gets like pimp slapped by somebody like real easily. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we like the show. On, the Borg ship, as soon as they've got what they want, they're gone. They're out of here. Everybody on the Enterprise is like, uh, we gotta go. So now Riker's the captain. He's like, let's go. Let's follow him. We see the Borg ship. Uh, the drones are taking Picard somewhere. Uh, they, you know, turn a corner and there's everyone in the collective or whatever, like in their little, like, jail cell holding 
tanks or whatever. <laughs> like, that's not the kind. Have, like, looks like when uh, people in the space shuttle need to sleep and they have their little straps they strap into. Like, they have those little sort of straps. So then whenever they do their recharge, they don't fall over, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, no, yeah, exactly. Um, but they're like... You're good at talking to humans. You're going to talk to humans for us, but you're also <laughs> going to be a Borg. <laughs> you know, they're, they literally tell him he's going to be the voice of the people. And it's like, right. What? Like, um. <laughs> so here's where it gets really intertwined with all of the, all of the scenes. Um, we go back and we see that the Enterprise is chasing the, the Borg cube. Uh, on the bridge, officers are trying to figure out how long it's going to take to make this weapon work. Riker wants to lead the away team. He wants to take Dr. Data Worf. Like, that's who he calls out. And then Shelby's like, mm, maybe I should do it since I am the Borg expert. Hi! Yeah, really. Like, like yeah, send, you should send the Borg expert. And, you know. Plus, you know, now that Riker is now the acting captain of the Enterprise, yep. it's really not right for him to go on away missions you know that that's right. the first officer's job is to do that so that the captain is not you know killed <laughs> the captain cannot fulfill his duties the first officer right. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know he's just like man no i want to go you can't stop me kind of thing and troy's like hey maybe she's right yeah. she's like troy's like now. um you're, she's right, dude. Sit down. <laughs> she's like, take a seat. <laughs> yeah, but then Shelby, like, Shelby kind of gets that smug look, like, hmm, tell it you so, which yeah. is very, like, teacher's pet, and it's like, shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does I don't let know her, like her. <laughs> he does let her go, right? So. Well, yeah. So then we see the board cube. Boom! You know, it's right there in front of us. And then a question about the board mm -hmm. cube like since it's a cube like mm -hmm. is there like a front corner is there a front panel no. like because when they followed the enterprise the first time like they kind of turned like the corner that was facing them the first time like they kind of turned and that corner like led the chase so maybe it's like is there like a front panel maybe that's the corner that had operating it's their favorite corner <laughs> their favorite corner <laughs> yeah the other side the opposite corner is like the timeout corner <laughs> you don't want that, <laughs> that corner. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have the first officer's log every every once in a while we get that kind of thing he's not the captain's log yet because it hasn't been official that he's the captain you know that kind of thing because as far as we know picard's still alive he's just on the other ship we gotta get him it's another star date Four three nine nine eight point five. We are Saturday, June fourth, twenty three sixty six, at about three thirty. So it's uh, three twenty eight. That's what it's uh, you know, and fifty one seconds. So three twenty nine. So they're still in pursuit of the Borg. We know they're heading towards Earth, uh, and that's the heart of the Federation. So it's a bad thing because they could just f some s up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can fudge some boo hockey up <laughs> right right <laughs> and in the transporter room Worf hands out phasers with the new frequencies added to him to Data Shelby and Dr. Crusher so the real reason Dr. Crusher was included in the way team is that Gates McFadden was like 
Uh, hey, Pillar, I'd really like to, you know, fire a phaser. I think that'd be really cool. And he's like, gotcha. Even though it would make sense because they've had their captain has been captured and they should send a medical person, but not necessarily their head of yeah, the medical. medical officer. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe but, she shouldn't go. But, yeah, maybe she shouldn't go, but also she probably cares more about him because they've been friends for so long and, you know, sexual tension and all that between them. Again, we're talking about how the Borg's going to be able to adapt quickly. They can only shoot one or two times with this phaser before they're gonna, they're all going to know what frequency it's on. They may not find them a threat because a lot of times when humans are around the Borg, but of course they've only got two humans in the situation, but that's fine. They just ignore them because they don't really want them. They, they take over whole civilizations, not like one or two or even four people at a time or whatever. But they could see them as a threat, so they could bother them. So everybody is on alert. Um, you know, Riker, of course, is like, don't make any unnecessary risks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when they, when they're beamed to the cube, Data, no. Worf, it was Worf, I remember, it's usually Data, but it was Worf that looks for signs of life and says it's inconclusive. And I'm like, there should at least be two. Like, it shouldn't be inconclusive because there are two right in front of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we'll just go with it. <laughs> you know, they kind of quickly walk around to different places. They see borg in their cubby holes powering up or whatever they're being ignored no big deal dr crusher is totally amazed by these uh, distribution nodes she sees i called them wireless routers because that's what they look like <laughs> they do look like Don't wi-fi they? routers it's like like it like they always have them at like your job or whatever well I work, you know, like I've worked in like corporate offices, so it's like they have the ones on the ceiling. That's what they look like. It's got lights on it, you know, it's kind of a weird shape, whatever. But she's like amazed by these because they uh, they send out like all the information so that it gets to everybody kind of thing. She thinks if they can knock out enough of those that they'll have to like power down some and then maybe they can get Picard and all that kind of stuff and they'll be good to go. They try to shoot one, doesn't work with one phaser. They do two phasers, it's good. So then they go and they get a couple more. And then Worf gets Picard's communicator signal on his tricorder or whatever. We gotta find him. But before that, we see Riker in the writing room and he is Skyping with Admiral Hansen. You know, their Federation ships are gonna meet at Wolf 359 and I have no idea what that means. <laughs> oh, I, I actually do know what that means here. Um... I actually put it in my half of the notes, but I'm happy to share it here. So Wolf 359 is the name of the star that is the main star of the Wolf system. Gotcha. And Wolf 359 is about eight light years away from our sun. So oh. it is a close by system to our system. Mm-hmm. And that is Wolf 359. Oh, uh, thank you very much. I looked that up on the handy dandy Memory Alpha website, yep. which every trekker should know. Memory Alpha uh, has lots of tidbits about Star Trek and that's, uh, that's where stuff I in got general. a whole lot of this stuff. That oh, I've you can go it. down lots of rabbit holes on Memory Alpha. And trust <laughs> me, I like to I like to do that. Read about things and go down rabbit holes, you know, because I have a podcast called The Burrow, which I do that about things. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's like a shameless plug of a podcast that nobody listens to. So, anyway. <laughs> the Enterprise can only stay on warp for about 22 minutes, and then they're going to have to like go on impulse so that they can charge back up. So they've got to they got to do this quick. They still don't know what's going on with Picard. Then we go back to the board cube and we see the away team 
following the signal, they kind of walk into like this room, sort of hallway-ish kind of place. And then they say, in here, so I assumed it was like a room. And there's all these drawers on the wall, and they pull out a drawer, and it just reminds me of like the freezer on the bottom. <laughs> Refrigerators, and you know, but it's like steampunky, because it's got like cogs and stuff all over yeah. it. Yeah, it's they, like oh, an Ikea cabinet with a steampunk overlay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So they pull open the drawer slowly because it's like, oh, Captain Picard. Nope, just his uniform. <laughs> I put in my notes. Picard. I was like, oh, that means Picard is naked. <laughs> 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 oh, so, you know, um, I said at least they tried to fold his clothes. Sort of. Yeah, no, it was kind of like they weren't just chucked in there. It was yeah, like they weren't like a half fold thrown over the arm, just tuck yeah. it in there. Yeah, yeah. It was like wasn't crumpled it wasn't neatly folded it was somewhere in between so you know that was nice <laughs> that was nice of them. <laughs> so then shelby contacts Riker. she's like mm, we just found his stuff he's running around here naked we guess <laughs> <laughs> so then we see jordy and wesley enter the bridge they're excited because they can use the weapon but they're gonna have to evacuate some places you know in case of fallback and all that kind of thing. The forward half of the secondary hull and the lower three decks of the saucer all need to be evacuated. Troy is on it. She's like, I got it. I'll get rid of everybody. <laughs> and then Riker's like, Commander Shelby, there's only 17 minutes left, you know. So the clock is ticking. They gotta find Picard. Back on the board cube and Shelby acknowledges Riker and then leads the team to more distribution nodes that they kill with their phaser power some of the lights start blinking once they're they're shooting these things down it's like they're in a haunted house or something <laughs> so they get a little more weak every time one of them gets blasted so they're hopefully on the right track and we know they're on the right track because then we see the bridge and wesley is like monitoring it and he says that their plan is working uh the borg ships have to has had to drop out of warp so now that they're going to be out of warp they should be able to use their extra power to to use this weapon that they've got and all this and Jordy diverts all this power to the main deflector Riker requests that they get within 40,000 kilometers and match velocity and right. that mm -hmm. that is the dis that's they can be that far away and still transport somebody on and off a ship I think right I Oh, yeah, like, yeah. they can be, I mean, there are limits, of course, but, yeah, yeah that that's within transporter range. Yeah, and, uh, but, and like, like, that would work, even though he didn't have, like, because he didn't have his, you know, his badge or whatever, so they would be able to try to lock on him or whatever, and then everybody else. I wrote, after I said that Riker requests they get within 40,000 kilometers and match velocity, I said... I smell a math problem here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a board cube is going. <laughs> yeah. If a board cube is traveling at 9.5 yes. warp, and you have to get as close as 40 kilometers, what warp speed do you have to match yes. to keep from smashing how, into them? <laughs> how long will it take you at what speed? <laughs> what are the prices? Can... What's the price of oranges on Rigel 4? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they sell oranges on Rigel 4. <laughs> like maybe they do I don't know so, <laughs> I've never you know, been <laughs> so they arm the ship and they change the reflector frequency and all that techno babble and woohoo they're gonna do this so we're back on the cube a board comes around the corner then another then another and they're like shooting them 
and everybody's like got this aggressive stance and they're ready to fight and they're shooting and then they don't then of course then their little shields pop up and they can they can't take the blasts anymore which is sad so shelby's like enterprise transport us on my command because you know they're trying to get rid of as many as they can and still figure out where picard is and then all of a sudden you think that they're either going to get taken over or just have to beam out beverly looks down the hallway and sees picard and she's like jean-luc <laughs> <laughs> he turns around and he is a <laughs> borg I know I bleeped myself again, but <laughs> it was necessary. Agreed. Ooh, like I, can't, I, I don't like. I feel like I didn't remember being surprised, super surprised, or anything, because it had already been shown in its regular time slot, and I was watching these on syndication months later or a year later or whatever, and so I'd seen it next time on Next Generation, <laughs> and then they show things that they don't show at the, you know, when they show it in a commercial, they show more stuff half the time, you know, because, oh, people have already seen it. No. So I wasn't super surprised, but it was still, like, surprising. Worf calls him captain and all this kind of thing. And then... Captain Borg card. Sorry, I have Borg to do card. <laughs> Stuns Worf. It's like, oh, no, you didn't. See, I didn't get that he would that that like Picard stunned him. Like I thought there was a force field around Picard. Oh, maybe. I thought he stunned him. Sorry. Because it kind of looked like he walked into like something that was before him. Yeah, because like Picard didn't even like he didn't raise a hand or anything. So I, I I got the sense it was like it was basically a big tease by the Borg is it's like oh look here's Picard he's out in the open woo and then I, he runs over to grab him and there's like right. you know the force field I'll 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 watch it a little more closely I'm still shook but <laughs> <laughs> you are shooketh <laughs> yes the away team returns uh they're like hey Riker Picard is a Borg so we didn't get him mm-hmm. um. Jordy sees that the the board ship is regenerating its stuff, you know, its problems. So they're like zoom in on it, and they can see all the pieces moving around. Doctor Crusher, she's like, he's still alive. Don't use that weapon. You know, we might be able to save him. And Shelby thinks that they can retrieve him, but Riker's like, no, 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 no. It's too late. Sorry, we got to take care of this because if the board gets their warp power back, they haven't got their power up enough to be able to follow them. They right, have right. to recharge their warp drive, you know, and. This feels a little bit like one of the main themes of the episode kind of coming full circle is from the beginning, it's been like, well, Riker's too timid to make the hard choices. You know, he was this up and comer, but now he's comfortable. And here's a situation where it's like, this is a hard choice. And he's like, yeah, as much as I love Picard and I love my captain and he's like, with the Borg get away now, they're going to head to Earth. Mm-hmm. And he's like fire the weapon you know it's like you kind of see Riker make that like he comes into the captain role very quickly and is like kind of a Spock thing but it's like you know the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure so they get hailed by the Borg ship we see several Borg standing around with Picard in the middle and he walks closer in the view screen and he says I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Oh. <laughs> and then Riker's like, Mr. Worf, fire. It's like, 
and that's dun, the dun, end. Dun, and then dun. it just says to be continued in great big letters. And I cannot imagine having to wait three months to see that. Right? Can so. I just say, like, how dramatic was Locutus to, like, make that whole, like, slow saunter up to the screen, first off. But then, like, it was so interesting because right from the get-go, he says, I am Locutus, not mm. we yes. are Locutus. Plus, he has a name. Yes. This was the first time you've heard a Borg have an individual name. Yeah. And so you're just like, whoa. So <laughs> Dramatic even, AF, but yeah, okay. Yeah, because even though they have, like, the sort of hive mind or whatever, like, they know that in order to be personable to people to actually get them to <laughs> be assimilated um they have to have someone who sounds like a person <laughs> that's a good point so i have a couple things that i want to say before we end this uh, that i read the assistant director chip chalmers remembered during filming when they did this uh he says i remember the moment when patrick dressed in a borg outfit first walks up to the view screen and says i am locutus of borg uh, he came on to the set. Everybody was wild with what they had done to Patrick. And we got everyone settled down and did one rehearsal. All he had to do was walk up to the camera. He did so and towered over everyone. It was just so creepy and so spooky. And he said, I am Locutus of Borg. Have you considered buying a Pontiac? <laughs> and everyone was on the floor. <laughs> I was like, that's so cute. I love it. So Michael Westmore, the uh, special effects guy uh, he's done you know he's done a lot of star trek he's done a lot of stuff he's like a living legend he's done all kinds of things his daughter hosted face off on sci-fi if you'd ever watched that with the special effects stuff so he'd been on that a lot and he'd been their mentor and stuff oh, okay um so you know he's he was really helpful to them but he you know it, he's really like he's a genius at this stuff he was recalling how an effective special effect was added to locutus's helmet and it was just a tiny cheap laser. So his so his son, Michael, who did all the Borg electronics and stuff, so for like the eyes and all the head stuff and you know, he Locutus had the little swirly gig thing and stuff on him. He was like, I found this little laser, it's only an inch long, I think we should put it on Locutus. So when they stuck it on there by his eye, like and he turns his head, you get that like JJ Abrams like lens flare. <laughs> and it makes it even more dramatic. And they did it with like this little bitty, you know, laser that they found was super cheapy thing. That if they had, you know, had if they had gone looking for something, they might have spent a lot more money on it or tried to build something. When he just kind of came across this, so I was like, that's really cool. And that's the kind yeah, of no, stuff that I is like. Really cool. You know, the cosplayer in me is like, I like finding cheap alternatives. <laughs> but what's funny is he said. There's that scene at the end of the first part of Best of Both Worlds where Patrick turns his head and looks directly into the camera with his laser. We had no idea what was going to happen. Boy, the phone rang! <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Rick Berman saw it and said, Oh my God, what a great effect! And that effect would have cost them thousands of dollars at the time to do, like, CGI, you know? And it was just happenstance. And I'm like, that's so cool! So, that is very cool. Yeah, so those are my cool things that I got from Memory Alpha. You should check it out if you've got a couple days to spare. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely yeah, you have to uh you have to be careful of those rabbit holes cuz it's easy to jump around the different episodes and stuff. We'll talk to you next time for part 2. The Part 2 of the story yes, arc. Story arc, yes. I'm like I 
I'm still shook, you guys. I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, it is. It is. I mean, listen. Anybody would be shaken to see Captain Picard yeah. as Loki to support like, the whole fandom. Like, like this. Like this is one of the best season finales of like any show. I feel like. I don't know how you guys feel. But I still can't wrap my head head around how excruciating it would have been. I wouldn't have been able to enjoy my summer vacation, you guys. Oh, yeah, no, I remember, like, the episode finished, and you see that, you know, Picard is a Borg, and you're just like, oh, my God, you know, my tiny head exploded, and then the whole summer, it's, like, just hypothesizing, like, are they gonna save him? Is this the end of Picard? Does Picard stay a Borg for the rest of the series? Like, like, what's gonna happen? And just the whole, I remember even my, like, my dad, like, we all, like, we all were talking about it, and, you know, because my dad's a huge Trekkie, and he's just talking about it, and, you know, all just hypothesizing the entire summer of what's going to happen to Picard and are they going to be able to save him? You know, how can they extract him from the Borg Collective? And, you know, it was just, it was like before Reddit, like we were Reddit and just had all our theories. Right. I did see also that they took the two episodes and put them together in like one 90 minute sort of movie episode kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is definitely better than some of the movies they had. <laughs> <laughs> This is better than some of the movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag better than Star Trek Five. Like, <laughs> you know, this would have been like an even numbered <laughs> Star Trek movie. Uh, you know, going by Rebecca Sanders. Okay, so anyway, we're sorry we took a little extra time, but I'm sure you all understand because this is a very important set of episodes. We will talk to you next time with part two. Get your watch on. I'm never gonna say that again. Sorry, that was that was like watch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, so tune in next time. I've been Brooke. I've been Rebecca. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Cardcast is hosted by Brooke and Rebecca. You can find us at facebook.com slash PicardCast, on twitter.com at the PicardCast, or email us at PicardCast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and boldly go where no one has gone before.